Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on You Need Therapy. I tell my clients all the time, like nutrition and like health isn't sexy. And I feel like these like seed oh cycling, God. hormonal imbalance, pairing your Pilates workout on this side of your cycle or whatever, like that's like sexy advice. That's like cool versus like, Hey, actually you just need to eat more carbs. Like that's not as cool, <laughs> you know? And then like the fear aspect that we're talking about too. I started to realize that not being an expert isn't a liability. It's a real gift. If we don't know something about ourselves at this point in our life, it's probably because it's uncomfortable to know. If you can die before you die, then you can really live. There's a wisdom at death's door. I thought I was insane. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do because there was no internet. I don't know, man. I'm like, I feel like everything is hard. Hey, y'all. My name is Kat. I'm a human first and a licensed therapist second. And right now, I'm inviting you into conversations that I hope encourage you to become more curious and less judgmental about yourself, others, and the world around you. Welcome to You Need Therapy. Hi, guys, and welcome to a new episode of You Need Therapy podcast. My name is Kat. I am the host and wanted to give a quick reminder before we get into this week's episode that although this podcast is hosted by a therapist. It does not serve as a replacement or a substitute for any actual mental health services. However, we always hope that it can help you at some point in whatever place you're at on whatever journey you're on. I also wanted to give a little intro into the episode today because it is one that I have been wanting to create and put out for a little bit of time. And with that, I also wanted to give a little bit of an extra disclaimer on what this episode is and how we can use this episode for good. So recently I have been plagued with a newfound frustration, I think is the correct word, with some stuff that I've been seeing on social media that really, I think, for the most part, capitalizes on the vulnerability of well-meaning people who want relief or want help or just want to live the best version of their lives. And 
I've been seeing some content that just like capitalizes on the vulnerability of what that is. And I wanted to just have a really helpful conversation with another professional that might have some expertise in some other areas that could help kind of tease out the reasons for why this content is made, why it is so captivating, and what we can do to help discern what content is for us and what content we can just kind of breeze past. And along with that, I would like to also call in to some of the people that are maybe producing some of this content in a very compassionate, loving, and understanding way. Because for the most part, I don't think the people out there that are creating this content are trying to hurt anybody. And at the same time, some hurt is happening out there on small scales and large scales. Now, some people I think do just blow past ethical bounds and the moral bounds of that. And some people are out here just trying to capitalize on vulnerabilities. But a lot of times I see this happening in a way that I don't think is done on purpose. And it's people looking at what has worked for them and kind of using that as a blanket for what's going to work for anybody who's in a space where they need relief from something. So I welcomed in a fellow Nashville eating disorder space professional. Her name is Caroline. She has a practice called Meant to Eat and she lives and works in Nashville. She is very knowledgeable in what she does specifically in the world of eating disorders. And she really offered a lot of helpful context and ways of looking at this stuff. And you'll just fall in love with you know her demeanor and just the way she approaches what she does. And she is so, so good at what she does. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I hope it can help you maybe feel understood, maybe gain some like relief of like, oh, okay, so I don't have to apply all of that stuff to me. And I hope it just helps you kind of live the life that you want to live versus the life that people are telling you that you should live. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Caroline. So Caroline, welcome. And can you just tell us a little bit of background about you? Yes. Thank you so much for having me on, Kat. I'm just so excited and I've been looking forward to this conversation with you. Like you said, I am a registered dietitian, certified eating disorder specialist, and certified intuitive eating counselor here in Nashville, Tennessee. I own my own private practice called Meant to Eat Nutrition Counseling, and I really pride myself on being a relational and compassionate dietitian that treats primarily eating disorders and disordered eating. I think relationship has everything to do with the eating disorder, and so we got to look at it more than just you know the food up front. We got to heal it through relationship and all that good stuff. For people that don't know, what does all of the like the intuitive eating specialist, the certified eating disorder, what makes that different than just a regular run of the mill registered licensed dietitian? So as a registered dietitian, we have to get education and training when it comes to like food service, clinical dietetics and community dietetics. But eating disorder education is not necessarily required or even really prioritized in like the standard dietetics education and training. And so really to be someone who is even competent at treating an eating disorder or disordered eating, you really have to pursue either certifications or really just continuing education outside of your classical training. That is very shocking to me. Oh, yeah. Considering like how large of a portion of our population goes on diets and maybe have 
you know, ruptures or hurts in the relationship mm-hmm. with food, considering that the nutrition experts don't know how to approach people in their relationship with food. Super concerning. I mean, I guess it's it's shocking, but maybe it shouldn't be shocking to me because as a therapist, we don't have any of that either. Yeah. There was not even a class that I could take on eating disorders when I went to grad school. The the way that I trained is that I worked in a treatment center that treated them. I guess there's plenty of continuing education you can do outside of school, but it is interesting because we get like all these little bits of all these other things that I guess people maybe think are more prevalent or valuable to learn. But when we look at the mental health disorders and the most dangerous ones and the ones that end up being most common, eating disorders are coming out on top year after year after year after year. So I find that very odd. I'm also not in charge of creating the coursework and the all of that for these programs, but it should be something that is offered at least as an elective. Yes, it is wild. And then also I feel like pretty, pretty standard thinking like systemically and culturally, like the environment we're in, it's like, wait, this is like awful and maybe needs to change. But then it's like, oh, it makes so much sense given the context of like the medical care system and everything when it comes to mental health. Yeah, that is a wonderful point. And I think that really highlights as the, in the conversation we're about to have is how specialized certain things really are and how having the knowledge to be able to be able to help in certain areas is not as easy as I think a lot of people want it to be is not as easy as a lot of people present it to be and I don't think that is always malicious I think a lot of people and myself included before I got into this work thought like oh if I read this book or if I do this thing or if I take this coaching class then I'll be able to do xyz and then I got into it and I was like I know nothing about anything and I've been doing this for 10 years Mm -hmm. like I still don't feel like I have all the skills and so That is kind of leading me into what we're here to talk about. So a couple of weeks ago, this has been brewing in my soul for a while, Love it. probably years. (laughs) And anybody who's listened to this podcast for a while knows that there are certain things that I kind of just like harp on or come back to and just continue to be themes in what I share. And one of the things that I always like to remind people, one, about this podcast is that it's not therapy. It is not any mental health service. I hope it helps people that are listening, but this is not a substitute for any of that. And part of the reason that is, is because getting the care that I think people deserve and need requires a lot of, like you're talking about relationship. Uh, There's so much nuance to it that it's very rare that we can put blanket statements on how to help somebody with a symptom or a string of symptoms or a disorder. Treatment looks different for everybody. And that is a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing (laughs) because we can really be attuned and and pay attention to the specifics of people's lives. And it's a curse in the sense it makes things more complicated than a lot of us want them to be. So with that being said, I have noticed throughout the past couple years, we have moved from some of the content that is being pushed upon the general public involving specific weight loss or specific body goals. I mean, that's still out there. Yeah. But I think that the past couple of years we've seen so much shifts and so and part of it's because i'm in in that 
world. So I Mm -hmm. think I see more of that. But I really have seen a shift in the way that we are diversifying what really health is to an extent. Now, with that, there are some people that I think have just become more creative. (laughs) And uh, I say that meaning that I see a lot of the same themes showing up with different language. So it looks a little different and it sounds a little different. It's doing the same thing. It's creating the same issues within anybody who's taking it in, specifically maybe clients that come to us after some of this stuff or maybe come to us, they're, they're taking that in while they're seeing us. And if you can tell that I'm like dancing around specifics, it's because I am, because I want to be very careful that I don't think everybody that's doing this stuff is malicious. I think that there are some people out there that really want to help and they went through something and this mm-hmm. thing worked for them. Yeah. And so now they want to let you know about it because that was a flaw in the system for them. It's like, nobody talked to me about this thing and this really healed a lot of my stuff. And I think there's a lot of people that do that and it's well-meaning. doesn't always come off without being harmful, but it's not ill-intentioned. And so I'm not necessarily like angry at these people. And then there's also people that notice how to market certain language well and money is the driver of a lot of these forces. Mm -hmm. And what happens is very well-meaning consumers who are tired or scared or lost see something that could be the solution to a problem they've been having trouble figuring out for a long time. And so people are co-opting language, phrases, content to sell something to somebody that maybe doesn't need it because they just don't need it or maybe they don't need it because it wouldn't be good for them. Mm-hmm. And we're taking advantage of these people. And yeah. so I want to have a conversation about what some of that looks like. I've noticed it from my perspective, the things that I've been seeing more recently. And this is not all encompassing. This is just three of the things that I'm like, oh my gosh, will that word ever go away? I've been seeing a lot of stuff on the internet talking about hormonal imbalances, which again, I will say all these things are like, they could be real things. Oh That's, yeah. So I see hormonal imbalances. I see, I don't even know if I'm saying this right, because I don't even know what it means, but gut microbiome or or whatever, that keeps popping up, yeah. healing your gut, da 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 and inflammation, which is inflammation has been around for a good long bit. Yeah. So all of these things have meanings and they are not made up words. And they are for some people things that maybe they need to pay attention to. But I specifically recently saw a video that this person was listing. Do you suffer from boom, 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 boom? It was like, I don't know, fatigue. fatigue. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. What else was it? Oh, bloating. I don't know. It could have been something like dry skin, uh-huh. irritability. Yeah. You're like me on a bad Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Okay. So, and then they were like, if this is you, and then went into this whole thing about like, buy my program, da, 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 da. You might need this. And I looked into this specific thing. So I was like, so what are they selling? And it was like the most intense thing I've ever seen. And also uh-huh. I couldn't figure out what this person was like, were they a doctor? Were they a, a nurse? Were they a therapist? Were they a dietitian? Were they anything? And yeah. I don't think that they were anything else. I think they would have led with maybe their credentials, but it really pissed me off because when I was watching the video, I was like, well, I have that. 
I have that. I have that. And then I had to like snap out of it. And I was like, again, that's me on a bad Wednesday. Like that's like maybe like me right before I'm about to have my period. And like, yeah, that's not like ideal, but it also doesn't signify something that I should be concerned about. But then I think a lot of people see that kind of stuff and they start thinking, well, I guess I shouldn't feel that way. I guess I should never have that. I guess that this means that. And it doesn't always mean something bad. So really, I'm, I say all that to invite you in to share a little bit about have you seen that? If so, what kind of things have you noticed? Like what words have been jumping out at you? What feelings come up for you as a professional when you see that stuff? And then we'll just go from there. Oh my gosh, of course I I see all of this. I mean, I am an avid consumer of social media, just like anyone else. And yeah, it, it almost feels like, you know, in terms of like growing a social media following, like person X might have had like one TikToker reel go viral and they got like thousands and thousands of followers. And now they're making a program to like sell it to other people of like, hey, here's how I got successful. I think in that scenario, what's on the line when they sell their course or their program or their coaching is like people might spend bukus of money and not go viral like this person did. I think when we add in like your relationship with food, your relationship with other people, your judgments on yourself, your perception or conceptualization of like your self-worth. That's so dangerous. And so every time I see, you know, posts that talk about healing your gut or hormonal imbalances or I feel like I've seen a lot about like seed cycling which like is a funnel down from the hormonal Mm. imbalancing world and how to fix it I just like genuinely feel like a tinge of sadness every single time I see those posts because you know the next day I'm in a client session and they're telling me how this influencer or how this YouTube video or how that Instagram reel penetrated their heart and their mind and like elicited this sense of like, well, I'm not doing that. Should I be doing that? Am I suffering because I'm not doing what this person is doing? And it like, it's a slippery slope to like shame, feeling even worse in your body, damaging your relationship with food. Like the consequences are so real and these posts are everywhere. And there's like a level of casualty with urgency and it just, it's dangerous. Yes casualty to urgency will you explain what you mean because I think I know but when you say that what are you specifically saying that that you're seeing you're just like anyone like you me our clients might just be sitting on the couch just like on social media and it's like hey by the way your hormones might be so wildly messed up and if you don't buy this program that's on flash sale through the end of tonight you know like and maybe that's that's a little hyperbole But it's like, I'm casually taking in this like emotionally loaded, urgent, do or die messaging. And it like does something to our nervous system. Oh my God. Yes. And to add to that, it's like you're scrolling and you're just like, you know, interested. Some things you're just like, sometimes it's interesting to learn about other fields or your body or whatever. Sometimes you're just watching funny videos and all of a sudden you see this video and you are just like trying to take in entertainment and all of a sudden you've diagnosed yourself with a serious issue that needs to be taken care of immediately. And you start thinking like, I'm not living the life that I could be living when like maybe you were okay. Like maybe you're okay. And I, I don't know if you experienced this, but two things I thought of as you were talking. One, 
we fail to remember, I do this too, in all other areas, that a lot of this social media, it's marketing, yeah. right? Like I have yeah. social media, that's, it's marketing. Of course. I'm no marketing expert, uh, <laughs> as you might be able to see so, by my social media. But one of the things that people do when they are marketing something is they are first telling you that you have a problem so then they can tell you that they have a solution to fix it. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. One of the things that people do when they are marketing something is they are first telling you that you have a problem. So then they can tell you that they have a solution to fix it. Yeah. So that is like a old school, like basic technique. And that's exactly what's happening. But it's done in this like almost altruistic way where these people are there to like really like save you versus 
they're not just trying to sell you. A pro- you forget that they're selling you a product. Yes. It's the same with diet culture. Like if, which it's all part of diet culture, but if we liked ourselves, if we were okay with our bodies, if we would threaten their survival of everything that is built under diet culture, beauty, wellness, all of that. And so it's the same thing where these people are hinging on you understanding that there's something that you're missing or that could be better or that's wrong. Oh, yeah. So a few years ago, I had a conversation with a client who is a marketing expert. And the way she put it was, there are two things people are always trying to sell to you, sex and fear. And I tell my clients all the time, like nutrition and like health isn't sexy. And I feel like these like seed cycling, hormonal imbalance, pairing your Pilates workout on this side of your cycle or whatever, like that's like sexy advice. That's like cool versus like, Hey, actually you just need to eat more carbs. Like that's not as cool, (laughs) you know? And then like the fear aspect that we're talking about too. I'm sure this is how you feel because I, it sounds like similar in therapy. Uh-huh. One of the most common things I say to a client is I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know because a lot of times I don't and mm-hmm. or it's going to take a while for us to figure it out. Yeah. And it's not so black and white. There are people that can that do this that like market like from a therapy aspect of like I'm going to change your life and da da da. I don't know if I'm going to change your life or not. Th- this could be helpful or maybe it might not be helpful. Uh-huh. You might feel the same. And that I think is kind of one of those, like it should be a red flag, but also I think it might feel like a red flag to people when somebody says, I don't know when there's not this exaggerated sense of mm-hmm. benefits yeah. or healing or whatever it is. Yeah. I think the consumer hears, well, this other person, da 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 da. But what I know to be true is that, I'm so limited as a helper. And I think that can be helpful to hear versus I have the power to save you and do X, Y, Z because part of our work is to help other people learn that they don't need us. Mm-hmm. And some people listening to this might be like, oh, why, why would anybody want to come see you then? Because there's a lot of other benefits than me telling you how you should feel, what your life should be like, X, Y, Z. But it's just not what you said. It's not sexy. Mm-hmm. Every day it's not exciting. Sometimes your session's pretty boring. Yeah. Sometimes your session's all over the place and you just like have this light bulb moment or yes. whatever. But so much of the work that I think the, uh, I don't want to say more ethical, but I more in line with the realness of the work is that we don't have every answer for everybody. Oh, and yeah. when you hear somebody that says that they do... I might just pause and do a little research before I sign up for a program. Yeah. So she said they try to sell you sex and fear. Uh huh. That's the and goal. It, it, like that's everything. <sighs> like everything that every ad, every product. Every, yes, is either trying to sell you sex or fear. I was like, that's so true. Oh my god. Okay, let's go back to these like buzzwords that you've kind of been hearing people use lately. Because what I don't want to ignore is that. Some people do have hormonal imbalances that need to be paid attention to, right? Sometimes inflammation is an issue. Sometimes it's not. And so how do you come at that kind of stuff? Because I don't know if you're experiencing this. I would assume you are because I am. But people are coming in with these like self-diagnoses after Mm -hmm. seeing this stuff that like there are things that they would never know of. Like Mm -hmm. I think like six years ago, even five years ago, maybe even four years ago, nobody 
knew what attachment was. Yeah. Nobody knew what it was. That's for the like the framework from which I approach therapy. Yeah. And I'm doing attachment based therapy for all these years. Nobody knows I'm doing it uh-huh. until maybe one day I have a conversation, do some psychoeducation with a a client. But now all of a sudden, I get clients that are coming in saying, I think I'm this attachment. I think this person's this attachment. Da, 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 da. And I think it's helpful. I do a lot of education on this podcast about attachment because I think it's something that everybody should have access to understand. Oh, yeah. Shouldn't gatekeep that. But because now it's something that's more widespread, anybody is making a video about attachment. And sometimes I'm like, that is not true. Or like, I don't know where they got that or that could be true, but it also could not be true. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and so how do you kind of approach that stuff in the dietitian world where people are coming in and being like, I'm so bloated or my hormones feel imbalanced or I've just been so moody or da da da. I think I need to do this program. How do you approach that from your professional stance? Well, something that came up for me is you were sharing about just thinking about the person's nervous system of like, I would rather go to someone who seems so certain and confident in their interventions in their program versus someone who has that more nuance. Like we don't know it's nuanced. It's complicated. You know, I could imagine, you know, suffering from chronic illness or chronic pain or just like not feeling good in general, like, oh my gosh, there's immense suffering there. I would probably want to take my chances on the person that sounds so certain that the the results feel so tangible, like having hope that this could be resolved ASAP if I go with this confident person. And so yeah. when a client steps into my office, especially as an eating disorder dietitian, I sort of come with the understanding that there's probably some dysregulation at play. Like this person's coming here with suffering and it makes so much sense that they might feel a sense of urgency or some hope in this like radical cool program or diagnosis that they could pursue. And I think part of my job is to model with them and for them a sense of groundedness and like taking all of their concerns and their fears and their suffering and kind of coming down to a point where we can just meet and say, Hey, you know, looking at this, like, hierarchy of needs we're up here doing like genetic testing let's come down here and talk like hey what is sleep like hey what's your community like are we eating enough of course as a dietitian I'm gonna ask about the food and not even like are you eating seed oils or not I feel like that's a very big one right now but I'm like hey are we eating enough because at the end of the day if you're not nourished yeah, you're going to have hormonal issues. Yeah, you're going to be inflamed. But maybe it's not as the intervention isn't as exciting as, you know, what you might find online, easily accessible, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm so glad you said that, that like, of course, it makes sense that somebody is going to gravitate towards some of this stuff. Oh, yeah. I said at the beginning of this, like I was sitting there being like, do I need this thing? And I'm like, Wait, no, yeah. yes. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I get it. And I think that's why I have so much compassion for yeah. this conversation and so much energy around it is because if I wasn't in the work that I am doing, I'd be buying every single program that there oh, is. Yeah. Of course. It comes from a good place. None of this comes from on the consumer side, wanting to harm myself for the most part, right? Where I would be hard pressed to find somebody who's trying to do that. Uh-huh. And it is very interesting why the interventions are so specific and like intricate and 
extreme and kind of inaccessible too. like the cost of all these different tests and supplements and well and even you talking about the like cycling with doing a Pilates class at a certain time of your period Uh like there is truth in all of this there might be certain things that feel better on your body and and through your cycle maybe this is what you if I'm lacking energy I definitely don't have the energy to do this program and so I feel like I'm failing it before I even start it Uh uh-huh what I hear you saying is okay all of that stuff might not be not helpful I don't know but why are we not looking at the basics before you are doing this very intense thing, very expensive thing, very extreme thing that you might actually not need. You might just like need some more food. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting that the, not that either way is easy. You're navigating this more simplistic road. Let's look at the basics and we're wanting to get real complicated with it. And I don't know that we have an answer for why that is, but I just find it very interesting. Oh, it's so interesting. It really is. And I think given our like medical model that is inherently like fat phobic and like rooted in like so much healthism and like pretty black and white in terms of like, this is a red food versus a green food or whatever. I think a lot of clients maybe, or people in general who are struggling with this or find themselves pulled to, you know, this type of marketing, they've learned from maybe other health providers that it isn't the food. Like maybe you are eating so healthy. I've never seen someone eat so many salads or go vegan for so many years. Like everything you're doing with food is right. So something else has to be wrong. But like as eating disorder professionals, I'm sure you and I kind of have a red flag of like, what do you mean? Mm. We're like only eating, you know, salads or whatever, like, Oh, and so they can almost be taught that what they're doing is right. So something else has to be so deeply wrong when really they just needed someone to like recognize and call out like the healthism or the wellness culture at play. I want you to read that post that you put up recently that I messaged you when you put up. Yeah. But something when you said that, you know, I, I actually need to pull these up too. I asked people on Instagram to send me anything that fell into this category that they've kind of seen or fell into or caused them to click the follow button or like, do I have that? So I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But you know how you were talking about how our like one, the medical model, it doesn't help the rest of the world in this space where looking a certain way is glamorized from a health standpoint. Yeah. And Health is even a complicated word. Crystal and I talked about it two weeks ago on the podcast about like, what even does this word mean? And can we even still use it in good faith? But I'm just thinking of somebody who might be for the sake of the word healthy, but they look a little bloated at some point in their day or whatever. And so we're automatically diagnosing that as there's a problem. If you feel or look bloated after you eat something or a certain time of the day or a certain time of of the month or whatever, we're automatically saying there's a problem and we got to fix it versus like, maybe that's normal. Or what even is bloating? Do, Do you even know what that is? And that's just one example of it. But when somebody actually is doing okay, and living a great life and whatever, we are being, I guess, going back to like fear and sex, like we see, oh, there must be something wrong with me because that thing or somebody who says or does all the right things 
and I'm using air quotes, you guys can't see it, but like on the other side, this person that's like, but I'm vegan and I've never touched anything that's ever been fried and I do yeah. yoga six times a day. Why should, why am I struggling with this fatigue? I eat so much. Da, 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 da. It's like maybe the, those things are not necessarily all that they're cracked up to be. Why are we glamorizing mm-hmm. these things? And then this other person who actually is maybe living in line and, and take, and it's fine. They think that there's something wrong with them. So many of the like recommendations that we hear from like wellness culture or the medical system or whatever, like, Hey, eat low sugar things. So, so many of our foods have sugar alcohols in them. Well, sugar alcohols are notorious for like wreaking havoc on the gut microbiome, which there's so much we don't know about the gut microbiome. So I'm just going to have that huge disclaimer. Like if anyone says that we know everything about the gut microbiome, no, we don't. Like there are like trillions of bacteria in there. We haven't even scratched the surface. We probably know 5% of what will be learned on the road about the gut microbiome. Mm -hmm. But all that being said, like, okay, if we're not eating, then our gut microbiome is going to be diminished in population. It's not going to be as strong or as healthy, if you will. And then if we're going to throw something like sugar alcohols on it, because we're told, you know, eat less and avoid sugar at all costs, you will feel not great. And it's not because you're Mm -hmm. doing anything wrong. You're following what is like common knowledge. And I'm using air quotes too, but like those things wreak havoc on our bodies. And so yeah, it, it's so backwards. It's like, okay, are we like making recommendations that are creating problems that then in turn we can like fix on the back end by maybe even making more recommendations that we'll cut these foods out, which is going to hurt the variety or the diversity of our gut microbiome, causing even more bloating in the future. And so, you know, that's just one example, but it gets so, so vicious fast. Yeah. Okay. So will you read that post? Because I went on this like Instagram rant, if any of you guys remember it a couple weeks ago about some of this stuff. And then I saw you post this and I was like, oh, this is what I'm talking about. So I want you to read what you wrote. I think I reposted it. I'm pretty sure I did. So you might've already heard it, but it doesn't hurt to hear it again. So will you read that for us? Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink 
That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. So I want you to read what you wrote. I think I reposted it. I'm pretty sure I did. So you might have already heard it, but it doesn't hurt to hear it again. So will you read that for us? Yes. Okay. Um, is it a hormonal imbalance or is it a result of an active eating disorder? Is it a food intolerance or is it a symptom of restriction? Is it chronic fatigue with a unique root cause or is it a symptom of an eating disorder? Is it blood glucose management or is it full-blown orthorexia? Many symptoms we search for a root cause for are often symptoms of a minimized and rationalized full-blown eating disorder. Your experience with these symptoms are real and valid and, of course, deserve care. And acknowledging the role that a rigid, perfectionistic, health-obsessed eating disorder has had in your health journey is just as real, valid, and deserving of care. No amount of testing, supplements, or alternative medicine is going to heal your body if there's an active eating disorder. Often eating disorders are ignored because it would also simultaneously challenge and or threaten the other treatment protocols. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so not everybody that is listening to this is going to probably identify with the, I was looking for this, but it was an eating disorder. But sure. I, I find that post to be so important because kind of like we were talking about in the beginning, it's not always people's fault. Our system and our society, our world is not set up to be paying attention to this stuff as even helpers. And that's all to say that there's some things that I don't know about in the therapy world that I'm not maybe not thinking of too. And that's why it's important to like name our limitedness. But there are so many things that we are overcomplicating and ignoring the actual, sometimes not on purpose, issue is so easy the way our systems are set up right now mm -hmm. and it was like a carousel is that yeah. what it's called but you can slide them okay so they're all different like pages and I was like oh my gosh this oh my gosh this oh my gosh this we are I feel like so not wanting as a society to acknowledge any of that stuff and I just wonder and I think the, the answer can be different for so many people why we don't want to go there. Like mm -hmm. why we don't want to like, let's check all these boxes first before we go to this box. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure you're getting proper nutrition and you are eating enough and 
mean, you're talking about like our sleep. All of, let's let's go there before we diagnose you with this very obscure, rare, whatever that actually isn't going to give you relief either. Why do you think that is right now? Oh man, I mean, I don't think like helping someone get eight hours of sleep a night consistently is super, super profitable. I mean, one of the interventions would be like, get off your phone 30 minutes before bed, but 30 minutes of scrolling is valuable, right? That's such a good point because we are willing. I'm like smiling as I say this, but it's not funny. I will buy whatever freaking product there is. I will take whatever supplement. I'll do whatever crazy thing. I'll pay that person to take their course, but I can't not scroll on my phone for 30 minutes before bed. That's too, I can't. And it might not be that simple, but like the principle, you know, like I cannot even identify with like, oh, I just don't want to even have to like, you know, put in the work or do something that would feel uncomfortable temporarily. Let me just like cash out like grocery pickup, you know, or whatever, because I'm like, I don't want to do it, you know? Yeah, but I think also it part of it's it's the like, yeah, ugh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to give up this thing that I like. Mm. But the other part is it's hard for us to believe that that's going to make a difference. Yeah. Because what you said in the beginning of like, well, they're coming at this with this like, I'm going to save your life with this supplement. I um, (laughs) when I asked people to send me stuff that like they've kind of like been duped on, I got a lot of the same stuff, which was interesting. So many people sent me this product that I had never seen, which I'm surprised by called colon broom. Have you heard of it? no colon and then b-r-o-o-m so this is not an ad for it so i hope that uh, nobody takes it that way it's like this very very expensive supplement that basically it, it promises like weight loss i mean one of the ads is like say goodbye to period cramps and i looked at it i like went to the website I had to like fill out this like test and take this test before it would like enter me into the website. So I like did this test, asked for like my weight, my age, like different whatever. And then gave me like a recommendation, like a how much, what product I should take, how much I should take, whatever, blah, blah, blah. One, the product was freaking expensive. Like I can't, I don't remember how much, but it was so expensive. And it did that like urgency thing where it was like if you buy it right now you'll get it for $60 instead Uh of 150 and so I'm like I guess I should buy it now but I looked at the I wanted to know the ingredients of it like what is this I still didn't know what it was what did you find so it took me like at least 10 minutes to even figure out what this product was I didn't understand what it was going to do or anything finally I like got to a page and I clicked on something, scrolled down and looked at the ingredients and it's just fiber. It's Metamucil. That's what it is. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I'm like texting. I'm looking it up and as I'm doing it, Crystal, Uh which is on a lot of the people I'm mentioning her casually, but it's because she's been on here multiple times and Caroline knows her, but I'm texting Crystal who works in my office and she's a dietitian. I'm like, have you heard of colon broom? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I can't believe this. And she's like, yeah, it's just a really expensive fiber and it has like nice packaging. Yes. And these people are, I mean, spending so much money on something that one, they probably don't need. Yeah. Two, it's not going to solve your period cramps, but also like it's another one of those things that they're like diagnosing an issue in me of like, oh, I didn't know that I needed to get rid of them. I guess they are kind of bad. Maybe this product will help me. And it's literally just gonna I mean help me poop or something but do I need to spend 
$150 on it? Yeah, yeah. I wish I remembered all the questions that it asked, but it was like, if you take our product for this long by mid-February, you'll be at this weight. And like gave me like, literally I could change nothing. I would just take this product and I would just like magically be, I don't know, 10, 15, it was something crazy, pounds lighter. One, I didn't know I needed to lose weight. (laughs) Right. Two, am I just like pooping out a bunch of like weight that's sitting in my body? I is There's 15 pounds of poop. I, I just like... It was so interesting to me. And I know if I was 22 years old, I would sign up for a membership of that. Like I would be getting that every month. Yes. I would be like, this is what's wrong. Like this is why I haven't been able to lose XYZ weight that I want to in an active eating disorder. Right. This is versus like, no, you don't have weight to lose. You're at a biologically appropriate weight. It's just fiber. It can't do those things anyway yeah yes and then I was I I went down a rabbit hole of this product but I was like looking at their different ads and it was like these people who like their lives were dramatically changed like everything about them was changed and I'm like damn I didn't know that Metamucil could be changing my life this much also I didn't know I was so on it's like one of those things that I didn't know I was so unhappy until I saw this ad and then you have to like snap out of it and be like wait I'm okay yeah and I actually don't need this product at all that's kind of what I'm getting at at an extreme that's not an influencer but you better believe there's a million people that are influencers that are getting paid to push that product yes oh which is like gets into like a whole ethical thing of we are asking these people who have social status in a sense to advertise this product for us whether or not this product is even delivering on what it says it does or is a good product or is safe to take or my marketing claims are appropriate in terms of like, I mean, that's awful that they would Mm -hmm. say to you, like, you could lose this much weight by this time. Like, oh my gosh, I think of any of my clients in an active eating disorder. Like, it's like harmful. Like, that's not bad like that's harmful and wrong what happens when that doesn't happen because it that's probably not going to happen and what happens if it doesn't happen I blame myself I did it wrong yeah oh it's bad I'm having like a light bulb moment in in this conversation I think that sometimes frustrates me with like going back to the just the like basic influencer becomes coach whatever yeah is you do their thing you do their program and whatever and it doesn't solve your problem yeah and it's not because their program is flawed or maybe that their program isn't for you it's because either i didn't do it correctly i didn't try hard enough or i'm so far gone that even this person who knows how to help me can't help me oh absolutely and our brain is primed to I mean, you're the therapist, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say our brain is primed to like collect confirming evidence rather than our brain is primed to like collect evidence that is naturally disconfirming. And so again, when we're going on social media, if what they're marketing is fear in their messaging, it's like, hey, you need this for a better happy life. Just like you're saying, if my core belief is I'm unhappy or things don't work for me, but this maybe could, it just like grows that core belief of I'm not good or, you know, I'm shameful or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And 
again, like the risks of what we just take in so casually on social media when it comes to our health or different programs we could or could not be doing to alleviate our suffering. It's risky business. And there's no informed consent for like any of this. There's no informed consent where there is for dietitians and therapists. And you can only inform to a certain degree, but it's way more out in the open. Yeah. And for people that don't know what that means, when you say there's no informed consent, what do you mean by that? Because that I never even thought about that. So I guess when someone like starts working with you or me, they have to sign this form that says informed consent, where basically we share like what they could expect in working with, you know, a psychotherapist or registered dietitian, like, hey, things might feel really hard as we challenge some of these beliefs or hey, we might kind of poke and, you know, explore some of these really challenging things, might get worse before it gets better, you know, just different risks that could be assumed in moving forward with this process. And one, I don't know, I've had an Instagram account since it was open. So I don't know if they have a new informed consent thing you have to do when you make a new account. But like, when we go on social media, we are guinea pigs for social media. Like we don't know the full extent, even though we're learning more and more about what it does to our brain let alone marketing health interventions on social media. We have no idea how that fully affects our nervous systems, our health. And mm-hmm. yeah, we just don't know the risks that we're assuming. And like, yeah, that's dangerous. And it's not ethical. Oh, that's a whole nother layer. I literally never thought about that where as a helping professional and anybody who's listened to this podcast for a while also knows that I have gone on this like, journey Mm -hmm. of what is ethical for me to be able to talk about on here what's ethical for me to be able to show up on social media with like I have this very weird relationship with social media and my profession because many things some that you're talking about and one of the reasons I have this podcast is to make some of the information that I think sometimes is limited to people that can afford therapy more available for other. I just don't think there's things that we should have to gatekeep like the attachment stuff. Also, there are certain things about attachment theory. I don't feel comfortable talking about on this open forum that then you can take and interpret without being to have a conversation with me about making sure you're hearing me correctly or clarifying anything. And that's why, I mean, I was even telling Caroline before we started, like I'm super anxious talking about this stuff because you guys don't have the ability to say, wait, I want to make sure I'm understanding this. Mm -hmm. I don't have the ability to see you where you are. I'm sure you have certain clients, depending on where they are on their journey, there might be something that you share with them Oh yeah. or you don't. And you can have two clients that you shared this information with this person, but it is not appropriate yet yeah. to go down that path with that person of because course. they're they're too vulnerable, fragile, et cetera. And I don't have that. We, don't, we can't do that on here. And so right. I can't say like, you guys can listen to this, but you can't. I can put a disclaimer, but people are going to do whatever they, they want. Mm-hmm. And- I feel like I'm bound by the my license. Like there are certain things that I literally can't do. Oh, oh yeah. Your career gone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's the accountability. I have that accountability. And yeah. like sometimes it's annoying. Like sure. sometimes it really is annoying. However, eventually I start to understand, oh, I see why that would not be appropriate because that would be very harmful. Yeah. And boundaries. We love them. Yes. 
Yes, boundaries are so annoying and also they like are very helpful yes. and life-saving at times. Yes. And I'm not saying that everybody who doesn't have a like licensing board is going to be unethical to some yeah. degree. But we have to remember that there are people out here that can say whatever they want and it doesn't matter. Therefore, they also might not know how important something like as simple as informed consent is. And so that's where I come from. I don't want to like come at all these people and, and coaches that are out there because there are people that I think can be very helpful. Yeah. I don't want to like come at them and be like, you guys are evil. Sometimes it's just like, you don't know what you don't know. Of course. Yeah. And is the harm that could be done by the content that you're producing worth the money that you're making off of it? Is that viral TikTok or viral Instagram post, I really struggle with this, where the stuff that tends to go viral is that really sexy, extreme, black and white, if you feel da-da-da-da-da, then you are da-da-da-da-da. And yeah, I'm sure that helps their business. Heck yeah. And is that appropriate? Like, is it worth it? Mm -hmm. And I've struggled with that for a while where I want, even like with the podcast Instagram disclaimer, for those of you guys that don't know, I don't actually make all the posts because I'm not that savvy with social media in general. However, one of the conversations I had with the person who does it, which she is a therapist, so she has that brain, yeah. is I want to market this podcast because I want people to be able to get this content. Yeah but I don't want to do it at the expense of our integrity and people's safety. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes the stuff that's going to probably get the most attention is stuff we're going to have to say no to. Mm -hmm. And that sucks. And it co comes back to like, what's the goal? Mm -hmm. Is the goal to help people or is the goal to have the biggest following? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's not what some of these people are are asking that are have these huge followings right mm -hmm. thousands if not hundreds of thousands of followers is your goal to help people or is it to get the biggest following or make the most money and it sucks to have to answer that question honestly sometimes because yeah you might be leaving something on the table mm -hmm. and if what you're selling is like perhaps like your own disordered eating too like we have to keep in mind eating disorders are egos and tonics so like and my eating disorder, hypothetically, if I were like this online coach, I would have died on the hill that I was helping people. Like I was oh, yeah. so convinced, right? And like, I have compassion for that, but it's also like, you you can't see it, right? Like you were saying, you, you don't know what you don't. You don't know. You know, I used to be really embarrassed of this, but now I'm like, people need to know this. And also it's part of my story that when I went to grad school, my eating disorder was like at its worst my like senior year of college. And I had already planned to become a therapist. And I got like pissed that I had gotten this degree in child and family studies because I decided that I wanted to be a dietitian, <laughs> which I'm sure that this is more common than not. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. what I decided when I went to grad school is like, okay, I can solve this. I'm already going to grad school. I already have this degree. Da, 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 da. I can't go back and get another undergrad, whatever. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to work in eating disorders and I'm going to help people with binge eating disorder lose weight. Mm -hmm. That was my thought process. But 
the caveat there is that was the thought process of somebody with a sick brain. Like I was not well. And again, when you said I would have died on the hill that I'm helping people. Yep. The amount of chaos I caused in my family thinking that I was like being helpful, but I was actually hurting people. It's insane. And I even my first year of grad school got um, a health coaching certification. And it was during that certification, I was getting that and I was also in therapy at the same time. I realized, wait a second, I could get this certification with my eyes closed. Mm-hmm. I got it. I didn't watch one lecture. I didn't do any assignment. I got on the calls and I muted them. And I have this certification. Basically, what I am certified in is how to give people my eating disorder. Uh-huh. Wow. And the good news is social media wasn't what it was back then. So I had, I deleted it years ago, but I had an Instagram account and it would be, oh, I wish I didn't delete it because it would be such a good like Reflect. research tool. Or research tool. Yes. Yeah. But I think it's that what you're saying is, yeah, we have to be careful because I really thought I was going to help people. And that's why I think why I have the compassion is I thought that I was going to help people feel happy and healthy and this and X, Y, Z. Yeah. Not realizing that I was actually miserable. Yeah. And really just wanted somebody to like commiserate in this with me and wanted to not be alone. Right. And so I share that not to like give all my personal history to everybody, but to let you guys know that this is actually something that happens more often than not. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people that listen to this trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you would have trusted me 10 years ago, too. <laughs> and, um, that's why I don't want anybody to hear this thinking that I'm like wanting to put these people in jail. It's of like, course. Oh, I just want us to open our eyes a little bit. Yeah. Have like some discernment, like lean on our own intuition of like this idiot and like, does any of this sound fishy or weird or too good to be true? And like, why does yeah. my brain like that so much? Why do I feel so excited or hopeful about it too? You know? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I could keep going about talking about this forever. Maybe it needs to be like a whole series. (laughs) Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. 
oh, that's not this, oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Okay, so from your perspective, because I was kind of talking about how earlier I have to really, you know, be careful about how I market myself as a human, as a therapist, how I market this podcast, because we too can fall into that trap of, you know, fear and sex, I guess. Yeah. And one of the things that I think that I'm seeing a lot is the like fear mongering that people do fall into the traps of. And so how do you see yourself differentiating because it is just life. Like we have to market ourselves if we want to be able to help people. People have to know right. that we're available and who we are. Right. And so how do you see the way that you're doing that different than some of the things that we've been talking about? Yeah. And I'd be interested to see what your your thoughts on this are too. But I feel like what I'm trying to sell people when I'm marketing is an opportunity to work with me and my unique skill set. Because I pull from all of these different therapeutic modalities and I pull from my different experiences and I really try to meet the client where they're at, like thinking about every single one of my clients, past and present, all of their stories are different and each of their recoveries looks different. And so my skill set, I really aim for what I provide them in session or in a masterclass or whatever it might be to guide them back to them and their unique values and their like own agency and autonomy rather than steering them toward becoming dependent on a supplement I'm selling or to like build this cult following for my sake, you know, it, it sucks to see people suffer and, you know, our job is so rewarding and beautiful, right? Like forming those relationships and, seeing clients like just like live their life to the fullest. And so, yeah, like our job is rewarding and it's hard and I do it really to help others like find joy in their own life versus my own profit over and over and over again. Like I'm not selling them my products, my philosophy necessarily. Yeah. I think that I feel super similar where, and I, I feel like I might've said a little bit of this earlier, but there's there's certain things that I will do with a lot of my clients, mm -hmm. whether it's activities that I do or there's certain things that I teach them sure. that I think generally a lot, not everybody, but a lot of people get. But there is not one system 
I use. You're not coming into a program that I've developed that we cannot kind of move away, steer away from or shift or change. Yeah. And I can speak to the therapy part more, but when you're coming into therapy, most of the time you're in a very vulnerable space, right? right? You're not usually coming to therapy because like everything's awesome. You're coming to therapy because everything's not awesome and you don't know what to do about it. And you want somebody to, a lot of times you want somebody to fix something, but the goal of what I do a lot of times is not to fix anything for somebody. It's to help them figure out what they need. And I mean, it's kind of like a longstanding joke in therapy is that like, yeah, we are constantly like working ourselves out of a job. Yeah. I don't want clients to continue to have to need to come to me. I don't want them to need me to answer things for them. I want to help empower them. And this was also drilled into us in school. Like, the word empowerment, it's like I never heard it before. And then like all of a sudden I'm like, okay, do I need to get this tattooed like on every limb of my body? (laughs) Um, And I didn't, I guess I didn't realize until I was doing the work, like, oh my God, why this is so important is because it, one, it helps us stay stay in the ethics of what we do. But that is what our job is, to help people become more autonomous, not to help people become dependent. And also, recognize that not everybody's going to do that in the same way. And I can't know what somebody needs until they kind of figure it out alongside me. Yeah. And, you know, we'll do intake sessions and we'll get information and we'll pull some stuff. But even just having somebody's history and some of their like, I don't know, information is not enough for me to diagnose somebody with anything or give them a full on treatment plan that does not change. Right. That could be a whole episode itself yeah. is that I guess we're we're marketing an opportunity. What you say what you said was I'm I'm marketing an opportunity to work with me to help somebody else figure out what it is they specifically need versus I'm ma- marketing a opportunity to work with me so they can have my specific plan or uh-huh. product or whatever. again the products or whatever. I also th- I guess I feel very strongly that like I'm not the only therapist that can help everybody and I can help somebody also like if I'm not their therapist, they probably can find a different one. And I say this not in like a fake humble kind of way. I say this in the like or like, what was me? I say this in that like, yeah, I think I'm good at what I do, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that means that you can't get just as good of an experience with another therapist. And I'm also not going to fit with everybody. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Your skill set is so unique to you as, you know, the kind of therapy you do versus another therapist. And, you know, similar to me, we all have different relational styles or um, jokes we tell in session or even what the room looks like. I mean, it's just all so unique to the person maybe wants or feels most comfortable with. And that's fine. That's good. I think that that probably helps us stay in this space of the extreme marketing where, because I really don't... (laughs) I really don't believe that like I have the solution to everybody's issues. I work specifically with eating disorders. I don't have a solution to everybody's eating disorder. Right. I don't have that. I can help some people recover from it, but it doesn't mean that like I'm going to be able to like without fail help every single person that comes into my office do this thing that they want to do. But I think that that belief system that I think maybe comes from the reality of how we were trained is very helpful without us even knowing it. So we could sit here forever and continue (laughs) to talk about this. And 
what I really hope a lot of you guys got out of this conversation is even going back to what we were just saying is an opportunity to feel more empowered about your ability to make choices and differentiate between what it is that I may be struggling with and what actually is not a thing for me. And to give you some more context of what we might be needing to pay attention to when we're getting sucked into that marketing trap that I see out there. And then on the other side of things, on the, I want to call them influencers because I don't know what else to call them, but like coaches, I I don't know, all of those people. If you're listening to this and not everybody that is a coach or an influencer is going to fall into this category. I hope that that is very clear. But if you're listening to this and you feel like a tinge of like, ooh, do I do that? I hope that you can hear this conversation with compassion for yourself too, knowing that like I also might have been doing the same thing mm-hmm. um, if social media was what it was at a certain period of my life. Yep. And acknowledging that is only going to probably make you better at what you do and help you probably help more people. I think you did such a beautiful job of just like dripping compassion through this conversation that is is hard and it's it's tricky. We're talking about people's livelihood, people's health, people's relationship with food, with themselves, with social media. Like, oh my gosh, it's so complex. So I just appreciate your willingness to like go there today with me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Well, thank you. I'm so glad that I had you to here to give your side of things. And I want anybody who's listening, if you are like, oh, Caroline made a lot of sense. I want to work with her. I want to learn more from her. I want to see how she is showing up on social media maybe to give a little bit of and it could be helpful to follow your account just to see an example of kind of what we're talking about so where can people find you on the internet yes you can find me at mintoeat.com or at mintoeat on instagram okay awesome and i'll put that stuff in the show notes if you are wanting to work with caroline specifically there are places that she can work with you and there are places that she cannot. So if that is something that you're interested in as well, she's a little different where like my license, I can only see you if you're in Tennessee. So it's pretty easy. If you are curious about that, then go to her website and you can contact her through there and see if that's an option. And hopefully I'll have you back again to do some kind of part two. Would love to. You can follow me on Instagram at cat.defada at Therapy podcast. And you can follow my practice at three chords therapy. If you have any questions, feedback, anything, if there's some stuff that popped up for you during this episode, whether it's stories, examples, or like clarifications or questions, send them to Catherine at unitherapypodcast.com. And if you have a question that you would like Caroline's feedback on, you can still send it there and we can have her back for a mini episode for a Couch Talks episode one day in the future. That is going to do it for me for now. I will be back with you guys on Wednesday. Until then, I hope you have the day you need to have. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest 
to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robey. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.